You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We are on a series called Think Outside the Box. Today we are still on Luke, Luke chapter 12. So please turn with me for a while to Luke chapter 12. You would notice that this is actually the very chapter that we were in last Sunday. So technically, this is a continuation of that. This is Luke chapter 12. But, you know, last Sunday we've covered verses 13 down to verse 31. So we will continue on with verses 22, all right, down to verse 34. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 24. It says here, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Then he says, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are able, you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Instead, he says, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with many bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the word of the Lord. It will be beneficial for all of us to have listened last preaching sermon leading to the one that we're going to have here today. So last week, like what I said, we started talking about covetousness, isn't it, right? So you would say na there were some ouch moments for you when we started looking into that preaching. Amen. So even for me, while preparing for the preaching, I realized, oh, I was trying to assess my heart and thinking, okay, Lord, I am having this issue, specific issue in my life. But we're not here to say that you are not to plan or you do not pray to be wealthy. We're not here to say that you don't plan or pray for riches. But rather, we're looking at some underlying issues that we have as our motivation for riches and wealth. Let me just say this early on. This isn't a prosperity preaching. Amen. Okay, we're not here to tell you that all you need to do is pray and you will have all that you need. That is not the point that we have. Because sometimes in our prayer, in response to our prayer, rather God gives us the sustenance or the character to endure hardships and sufferings in our lives. I have to say that clearly. So we started talking about covetousness and today we will start shifting into another, I would say, sin issue in our life. So from covetousness, we start looking into worry and anxiety. All right? We're looking into this now from covetousness. We're now looking into this specific issue. Let me qualify this. That we all have. All right? That we all have. And that is anxiety and worry. 
As I think about this, one of our church members here in Victory Dunga, Jason and Rose, together with their kids, two Sundays ago, they approached me after the service and have told me that they are finally leaving Dumaguete. It's not that they don't like it here. It's just that they have with them a testimony of provision in their life. They are part of Ted, Dennis, and Chanel's victory group. You know, over the course of like two years, three years, we've been going back and forth, you know, talking to him and the family about, you know, God's provision over their life. And true enough, God in his faithfulness, okay, has ushered in breakthrough into their family. So you won't be seeing them around perhaps in the next couple of years because the family is leaving for Canada for a work that they have. Okay, so we praise God for that. All right. So I also heard that Ate Eva Amante is also leaving, so we'll pray for you later. I'm sharing that because as I look into this, I realize that as I think about this, I'm thinking about the gospel. That is what we preach in this local church, amen? We think about your salvation, but we're talking about on that day, and that is something that will transpire in the future. As I think about this, I realize that as I was preparing for the preaching, I was thinking about how the gospel can be practically appropriated in our life right now. Kasi po, minsan, we're thinking that our salvation is just like a redeemable ticket for the future. But what about for our life now? How do we get to appropriate the gospel in our day-to-day, moment-by-moment living in this world? And that is what I hope to endeavor here today. I'm not here saying, you Christians, just endure, just endure, just persevere. Because one day, Jesus will come back and you will be worry-free already. Yes, that is true. But what about the hope that we have in this lifetime? How does the gospel become so relevant to your life right now? If you're here specifically, you're experiencing this specific issue in your life, perhaps you're having a hard time financially, you're having a difficult time in terms of certain provisions in your life. So how does the gospel get appropriated in the current issues of your life? That is one of the prayers that I have that will be answered for us. Here's what's interesting. This is what we have. This is what we're covering today. Well, you know, if you give me three hours, we'll cover this thoroughly. But if you're giving me 45 minutes, so we'll cover portions or sections of this. But nonetheless, we have 10 verses here today. Now look, if you read this, one way for us to understand and embrace the message of Jesus is to understand structure. So if we understand the structure of these 10 verses, it gives us an idea of what he really was talking about. Now, here's what we have. I realized that in these 10 verses, there are three imperatives and indicatives that you will find in these verses. So, meaning to say, there are times in these verses wherein Jesus gives an imperative, a command. What's one of the commands that you see there? One is, do not be, do not be anxious. Alright? So, that's one imperative. But, together with that, the structure of this is, you would also realize that together with those imperatives, he gives us certain indicatives. So meaning to say, he gives us certain reasons for those imperatives that he has given. Let me go to the first one. Look at the first one. Let me go to verses 22 down to verse 24. 22 to 24. So here's what we have. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, he says, I tell you, do not be anxious about life, he says. Right? He says, what you will eat, nor about your body, or what you will put on. 
Then he gives the indicative. Verse 23 says, For life is more than food and body more than clothing. Specifically, verse 24 says, Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Now, let me just talk about this for a while. There's a certain way for us to really embrace this. Look, first, as I read these verses, verses 22 down to verse 24, here's one of the things that you will realize. You will realize that God... Specifically, Jesus cares about your problems in life. Jesus cares about your problem in life. That isn't a cliche. That's something that we see in these verses right here. You know why? Don't you think that Jesus being Jesus, right? Jesus being Jesus, don't you think that he has all the rights to put a period and end with verse 22. You could actually remove verse 23 and 24, and you could actually say to every single one of us, hey, Archie, do not be anxious about anything. Don't you think Jesus can actually say that? Jesus could actually just stay with imperatives and tell every single one of us, uh, Kevin, do not be anxious about life. Do not be anxious about what you're gonna eat. Do not be anxious about what you're going to wear. Do not be anxious about your body. It gives us a picture that in this aspect, Jesus wasn't becoming authoritarian. He wasn't like saying, you are going to church, you have to wear face shields. No ifs, no buts, just wear it. It wasn't something like that. In fact, he gives the reason why. What I love about this to start with is I'd like for us to understand that God is a God who reasons with us. Amen. He reasons with us. We see that in God's word, in the book of Isaiah, where he reasons with us. So in this aspect, yes, he does give a command. He gives us a command. Do not be anxious. But it doesn't put a period there. He gives us the reason why you shouldn't be anxious. And that is the wonderful thing about the Jesus that we worship. He gives us a reason why. Obviously, the first part, if you look at verses 22 down to verse 24, it tells us that it has something to do with food. Amen? Who am I here? You love food. Come on now. It has something to do with food. And Jesus was very clear. He was saying, do not be anxious about life. Now, let's try to understand this word for a while. What are some synonyms of the word anxious? What are some synonyms of the word anxious? You could actually say trouble. You could actually say fear, isn't it? You could actually say distress or cares. In this case specifically about food and clothing. So what is anxiety? What is anxiety? I'm not looking at this in the definition, in its clinical definition perhaps, or psychological definition. That's not what we're looking to here. But though that is covered in this text right here, but just to tell every single one of us, I have to qualify this that not all anxiety are, uh, not all anxiety is sinful. Okay? But okay, the specific anxiety that we're talking about here can be defined this way. Anxiety is sinful fear. Anxiety is actually sinful fear. Let me explain that or define that by giving you an illustration. Three weeks ago, when I was in Bacolod, I was talking with some people there. And you know what I learned? Please don't quote me in this. This might not be factual. But, you know, we were just having conversation. And one of the guys told me, Archie, sabi niya, next year, 2023, 
there's gonna be a rice shortage in the Philippines. So, when you hear something like that, you know, rice is life, amen? When you hear something like that, you know what's running in my mind? The moment I arrive to Magueta, I'm thinking about what? Hoarding rice. I'm thinking about buying 25 kilos of rice for our home. I'm thinking about rice for the staff, rice for some leaders and stuff like that. So at a certain junction of that conversation, I realized, okay, wait a second. I was being anxious over something that I don't know if it's true or not. It may be true. If it's true, then we still shouldn't be anxious. Amen? Last week, if I'm not mistaken, but the inflation rate of the Philippines is at 7.7%. You know how high that is? Rian and I were having a conversation. Pag umabot ng 10% yan, yung isawraw straight na. I mean, if you're at 7.7% inflation, I mean, what can your 1,000 peso buy? Are you folks with me? Remember back in 2020 when COVID came to the Philippines? What was happening in the grocery stores? Everyone was like, what? Everyone was what? Panic buying because of the lockdowns. You know what's worse than panic buying? What's worse than panic buying is if you don't have money. Because you can't do panic buying. All you can do is just panic, isn't it? I mean, you don't have money. So, wala, panic ka na lang, iyak ka na lang. So, all the more you become anxious, all the more you start worrying. Friends, listen. The things that I've just said the last three minutes are factual. These are realities that are happening in our life. And guess what? Will happen in the future. Whether you are in North America, Europe, the Philippines, Hong Kong, Taiwan, or Japan. Wherever you are, it will happen to us. It's the fact of life. It will happen. It's a trend that we will see over and over again. So Jesus comes in and tells us, do not be anxious about everything. I started looking at this. I realized, let me try looking into the context of anxiety. I did say a while ago that one of the synonyms perhaps of anxiety is fear. And where do we see fear first in the Bible? In the garden, isn't it? They feared God, and what happened? They were anxious that God would find out that they have eaten of the fruit. So what happened to them? They started covering themselves. There was shame, there was guilt, there was anxiety. So at the end of the day, it's rooted in unbelief. Unbelief in God's word. They didn't bank on God's word. They didn't believe on God's word. The same thing with us. We become anxious and we start worrying and worrying and panicking and panicking. We become panicking about situations, about the, about the economy. It's because we do not and cannot latch our lives into God's word. So at the root of this is still sin. Because unbelief, my friends, is sin. Amen? Unbelief is sin. So when we have a sinful fear, it gives us a picture that there's something that has to go on in our lives. Now look at this. It says here, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about life. Let me qualify this. Jesus didn't say, Therefore I tell you, do not plan out your life. Right? Jesus wasn't saying, don't get insurance. Do not invest. Do not save. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was simply saying, do not be anxious about life. Alright? Now, specifically, look at this. He talks about three things. At least in this verse, he talks about three things. First, he talks about food. Right? 
He talks about food. Who am I here? You do this sometimes. When chicken is at 135 pesos at Lee Plaza, you start buying a lot of kilos of chicken. Kasi next week, 200 plus na yun. And sometimes I become anxious, walang manok sa Lee Plaza, so saan tayo ng manok? Malakasing manok sa room. He starts talking about food. And then, not just that, he starts talking about, look at this, nor about your body, starts talking about body. Interesting. A lot of times, we go to our friends, we face the mirror, and we say either of the two things. Hala, nanambok ko, nagniwang ko. And either of these two are things that we do not like. At the end of the day, try asking yourself, when you say those words, hala, this happened to me, what's running in your mind? Is it health or image? Are you folks with me? Then lastly, he starts talking about clothes. I mean, how many of you have experienced this wherein you have to prepare for, of all days, for church? You prepare for Sunday service. You open your cabinet. What do you say? Come on, what do you say? Wala ko'y masuot. Na, sweetheart, wala ko'y masuot. Ayan no, sa harapan mo, damit. We start becoming anxious about these things. And Jesus narrows this anxiety that we have over these three things. Food, body, and clothing. But the general principle applies, do not be anxious about life, about riches, about wealth, even about sicknesses and your health and whatever it is that it can actually cover. So now, let's look at this for a while. Look at verse 23, says, For life is more than food. So one of the indicatives that is said, coming from that imperative, he says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about your business. Do not be anxious about crypto. Do not be anxious about the stocks that are plummeting right now. Do not be anxious about all of those things. Do not be anxious about God's prices. Then it says, look at this, verse 23, For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. He says, for life is more than food. He was like saying, do not get sucked into thinking that it's all about ATM. It's all about bank. It's all about money. It's not about that. Life is more than money. Amen. That's what he was saying. Life is more than earning or investments and all of these things. In fact, we're going to go back to this later. I think about this and I realize, man, you know, I've talked with many of you here. And if you remember last Sunday, I did tell everyone that, you know, we'd go work in a different nation. I'd like first to ask our motivation, right? Because if our motivation is just wealth, it's just money, I feel like mababaw yun. I want us to understand as a Christian, your life is tied up to God's purpose. Amen? Brent, you know, our music ministry head, is a registered nurse. And a couple of years ago, he had an opportunity to actually you know, leave the country and work somewhere else. But his motivation for staying behind, guess what, are two things. His motivation for staying here is not because of poverty mentality, but his motivation for staying behind are two things. One, church, and secondly, his biological family. He feels like he cannot let go of these two things. Now, I'm not here to tell you that you have to take the route of Brent. I'm just saying that when God leads you to these places, you have to look into your motivations and start looking into your purpose and calling in life. I look at this and I realize that what Jesus was essentially saying in verse 23 
when he was saying, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing, he was like saying that your life is more than just your felt needs. All right? Your biggest needs are not just your current and immediate felt needs. Food, clothing, and body. Look at this. We go to verse 24. Look at what Jesus was saying. In verse 24, he says, Consider the ravens. Now he starts talking about the birds. Now this is interesting. Look at this. He starts giving these two indicatives. He says, look at the ravens and look at the lilies. Now, rabbis, during their time, one of their interpretive devices is called the argument of greater to less. So this is how they teach their people. Some of them give them arguments of greater to less. So in this essence, for him to drive the point of his imperatives, to tell them not to be anxious, he starts talking about the lesser beings. He starts talking about the birds. He starts talking about the lilies before he starts talking about our very own life. Are you folks with me? An argument from greater to less. Jesus was essentially saying, look at the ravens, look at the lilies. Here's what it looks like. If God cares for them, what makes you think that God doesn't care for you? Come on now. If God cares for the birds, if God cares for the plants, what makes us think that God doesn't care for you? So Jesus says, do not be anxious. He simply tells us, do not be anxious. Now let me look at the first one. Let's look at the ravens for a while. He says, consider the ravens. Now, you folks realize that during Jesus' time, there were different sorts of birds, isn't it? But specifically, he handpicked the ravens. Now, think about this for a while. What are ravens? In the book of Leviticus, look at this. In the book of Leviticus, ravens are one of those unclean animals. Ravens are associated with death. Ravens are one of the very birds that God tells them not to associate themselves with or touch these birds. Do not associate with ravens because these are unclean animals. They will deem you unclean once you touch them. Of all the birds that Jesus could have used as an illustration, he starts looking at the ravens. Look at Job chapter 30 verse 41. God who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food. You know, ravens are unclean animals, yet Jesus was saying that, what? Jesus was saying that, I care for these ravens. That which are unclean by God's grace towards his entire creation, he actually cares for them. And then he narrows down, he starts asking this question, of how much more value are you than the birds? I think about this and I realize that, friends, this is why your theology is important. This is why your theology is important. This is why as a Christian, you should be growing your theology as well. Because if you look at this text right here, these are one of those verses that will thrust you into looking into the different attributes of God. Let me make a case for that. If I read, do not be anxious. Uh, okay, do not be anxious. God provides for a raven. Of how much more value are you? You feel like this is so elementary. Maybe this is for kids' church. Birds, lilies, 
But that's why I'm saying your theology plays a role here. Because look at this. If you only understand that the God that you worship is the creator, then you might be losing some aspects here. I want us to understand, friends, that the God that we worship is not just the creator. He is also creator, sustainer of all things. Amen. So kung ang understanding mo, creator lang si Lord, parang, okay, God created us, then He's gonna meet us in the future. No, 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 no. God sustains you in this life right now. Amen. He sustains us in our life right now. He understands our troubles. He understands our problem. Here's another aspect where in your theology will play a role in understanding this. You also realize that the God that we worship is a what? He's a covenant-keeping God. If you understand that he has kept his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it gives you what? It infuses hope and faith in you that indeed God will provide for your needs right now. Amen. That he will provide for us. Look at the second indicative that we have here. He says, consider the lilies. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, it says here, even Solomon in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. And here's what he says. Look at this. He says, But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? I remember when my sister, when she was like in third grade, one time she told my dad, Dad, you're going to pick me at school Later, after classes, there's going to be a parent-teacher's conference, parent-teacher's meeting, right? So, um, dad, you have to dress up. And my dad was like, all right, fine. So after classes, my dad was there in school to pick her up. And guess what, friends? You know, my dad, my dad uh, was an entrepreneur, businessman. He doesn't really, you know, dress up. So when, the moment he got there, my dad was all dressed up. Nakaslacks, leather shoes, everything polo. And my dad approached my sister and told my sister, okay, uh, where's the meeting at? Dad, there's no meeting I just like for my friends to see you dressed that way. You know, sometimes we become anxious about how we get dressed. You know what I'm talking about. We think about with all the trends in fashion in our days right now. Come on now, what do you call those? The guys who are wearing shirts right now, it's like backstype, whatever. I don't know what you call that. And guys wearing short shorts? For me, it doesn't really make sense. Right? So, but anyway, um, you start thinking about all of this, and Jesus was very clear. Let me illustrate what Jesus was saying this way. Every time you drive around Dumaguete, you see Mount Alinis, amen? Isn't it? You see Mount Alinis. The moment you see Mount Alinis, you see Mount Alinis covered in green. Think about this. Jesus was essentially saying that if God clothes the mountains green, He can actually clothe you. Right? If He can do this for the rest of His creation, what makes you think? that God can't do these things for you. What makes us think that God will not provide for a building project, amen? Na-anxious ako na konti, pero in a certain sense, anxiety is what we feel. It becomes sinful when we remain in that anxiety. Alright? So yeah, it's true. You think about tuition, you think about provision for the house, food for tomorrow. You feel some of those anxiety, but I pray that you will not remain in those anxiety. Let me go now to verse 29. Look at this. It says here, And your father knows 
that you need them. So he starts saying, and do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations, he says, the rest of the world, the rest of the world seek these things and your father knows that you need them. This is interesting because the imperatives that we find here is that Jesus was saying, do not be anxious, do not worry. You know, sometimes when someone tells you that, look at this. When someone tells you, ayaw kabalakaday, ayaw kabalakadong, what do you do? Ah, mayaw makakay na kay kwarta, mayaw makakay na kay bakar. You know, sometimes we say those things. Ikaw kay naman kay savings. It's fine. You're saying that because you don't feel what I'm feeling. You cannot empathize with my situation. Now, guess what? You can say that to your friends, but I dare you. Can you say that towards Jesus? Will you be able to tell Jesus, Jesus, you don't understand what pain is? And Jesus was like, huh? No, Jesus, you don't understand what hunger is, huh? 40 days? Come on now. So no one of us can actually come before God and tell God, no, God, you do not understand what I'm going through. No. Your friends and family and relatives, they might not understand what you're going through. They might not be able to empathize and sympathize with you, but not so with Christ our Lord Savior. It's not like, you remember those times when people were so angry because of the lockdown and stuff like that? It's not like many or some of our politicians who do not experience what you're experiencing. You drive around Manila, and when the government tells you there's going to be a lockdown, you drive around Manila, you realize how blessed we are in Dumaguete. You may not have an air-conditioned room, but friends, ang dami pong nakatira sa bangketa lang sa Manila, i-lockdown mo yung paano sila. But friends, I want us to understand, not so with Christ. If you look at this, He knows anger, He knows anguish, He knows pain. In fact, look at this. The book of Hebrews teaches us that he sympathizes with our weaknesses. And in that weakness, the Bible tells us that Jesus intercedes for us. How do we appropriate the gospel? Here's how we appropriate the gospel. I want us to understand this. I want us to understand this. Let me get the general principle of this. And here's the general principle of what Jesus was talking about. God cares deeply for you. Pastor, is it just about food, body, and clothing? No. It's a general principle that you take from these verses. God cares for you deeply. He deeply cares for you. If you're a senior citizen here, and you know, senior citizens, there are certain pains that you go through that not too many people understand. People do not understand your level of panuhot, your arthritis, and your children expect you to still be strong and stuff like that. Single professionals, yes, but not all singles because not all single professionals are waiting to get married. But if you really want to pursue marriage or you really want to get married and you're becoming so anxious about these things in your life, I want you to understand that God cares for you deeply. That's the general principle that we have here. Yung mga may sakit, yung mga namatayan, God cares for you deeply. Like what I said, we can never be in a position where we will accuse Jesus that He doesn't care, that He doesn't understand. Because he went through the worst of life for you to understand that he is for you. Amen. Let me end with these few verses. Let me end with verse 31. This is interesting. He starts talking about do not be anxious, isn't it? Do not be anxious. He starts talking about what? Money. He starts talking about food. He starts talking about your body. He starts talking about your clothing. 
And then, here's what's interesting. In verse 31, he kind of shifts gear. Look at this. In verse 31, it says here, instead he says, so he's shifting gear. So now, he wants everyone to understand, shift your focus. This is basically the best lesson that you can have here. He wants all of us to shift focus from money, food, clothing, body, instead towards something. Before I go there, let me pull out once again verse 23. Remember verse 23. Here's what he says. Folks, he says, your life is more than food and the body more than clothing. So what is life about then, my Lord? What is life about then, Jesus? And he starts saying in verse 31, he said, instead, seek his kingdom. Oh, now you start talking about kingdom. He says, seek his kingdom. And guess what he says here? And these things will be added to you as well. He was essentially saying that, guess what? Life is more than food. Your money, your food, your clothing, look at this. These are added to you. These are just bonuses. Because something is much more fundamental. Something is much more Christians. Christians. Something is much more important. Something is much more valuable. Something should be more fundamental in our life. Our problem is we put the kingdom in the peripheral and put the non-essentials as fundamentals. And Jesus was saying, okay, you got things messed up. Put the kingdom first. That's interesting. Why is it interesting? Look at this. Look at this. If you look at verse 27, interestingly, he mentions a guy from the Old Testament. Guess what? He mentions Solomon. I mean, in these teachings that he was having, he starts mentioning Solomon. So, here's my question. What did Solomon ask for? Did Solomon ask for riches? Did he ask for wealth? Did he ask God to be triumphant over his enemy? Did he ask about his dominion? Did he start asking about his throne? Guess what, friends? Look at this. He asked none of those. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for riches. In Hebrew literature, what he asked for was called a lev shmeya. It's called a lev shmeya. What did Solomon ask for? He didn't ask for riches. He asked for a lev shmeya, which simply means a what? A listening heart. A listening heart. Come on now. It's like waking up every morning. The moment he wakes up, he's not thinking about the business. He's not thinking about what's going to happen in the workplace. He's not thinking about his investments. He's not thinking about the hollow blacks. He's not thinking about all of these things. He's not even thinking about food. A listening heart keeps you in tune with God's will for your life. That's what he asked for. He asked for a listening heart in order for him to what? Come on now. In order for him to discern that which is good and evil. 
that which is beneficial for the kingdom and that which are not beneficial for the kingdom that which is worth throwing his life into and those things that are worthless that are useless so whether you go to the groceries you go to your shopping carts you go to the mall which has a sale every single year a listening heart allows you to discern to discern like what I said your life is tied up to God's purposes in His kingdom so it allows you to discern which of these things has a bearing for eternity come on now remember last Sunday God's accusation to the fool He says you are a fool a fool a fool why? because you have never been rich towards God You've never had a listening heart. You never understood what will count for eternity. So here you are, raking things for yourself, thinking that these things will make you happy. As if God is against happiness. He's not against your happiness. He's simply saying that you don't derive your joy, your happiness from material wealth. You might earn 350,000 pesos a month or earn 3,500 pesos a month. doesn't matter. You will be a joyful person if you understand the treasure that you have in the Lord. Amen. A listening heart. And there's a result for Solomon. As a result, God gave him riches too. So Jesus was saying, okay, he was like saying, look at verse 31. Instead, he says, seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. So what does it mean to seek his kingdom? Should I go to Babinai and look for Jesus in the caves there? No, that's not the point. What does it mean to seek the kingdom? To have a what? A listening heart. To consider the things of God. That before you make a decision, let me simplify this. When you make a decision, think. Will this honor God? Will this honor God? I'm about to go out with this person. Will this honor God? I'm about to spend money over this. Will this honor? Does this still honor God? Does this still honor God? I've already bought these things. I keep buying and buying and buying. Now I have a collection of this stuff. You open your fridge and there's nothing in there. You feel anxious. Does this honor God? What does it mean to seek God's kingdom? To seek God's kingdom simply means to live under the reign of God. To always be conscious of the presence of God in our life. That's what Koram Deo means. To live under the presence of God. To live under the gracious reign of God. So it's like this every single day, every single minute of your life, conscious of the presence of God in you. I pray po, my prayer is this, that your quote-unquote spirituality is a continual one, not a punctuated one. Sunday, prayer meeting, Thursday. Tapos parang damit na tatanggalin mo lang. But I pray that it's going to be a sustained, continual one. 
So Jesus was saying, seek God's kingdom. Look at verse 31. Fear not. He says, you are anxious. You are warning. Here's Jesus' words. Do not fear. Fear not, he says. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. For so understand that we are God's people. Daniel chapter 7, verse 21 to 22. This was a time when the kingdom, the dominion was given to the Son of Man, but not just to the Son of Man. It says here, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. So I pray that for all of us here, yes, we go through different difficulties in our life. I was very clear a while ago, God deeply cares for us. Amen? God deeply cares for us. But as much as we understand that God deeply cares for us, I wish to make us understand also that as God's people, I pray that we will deeply care about God's kingdom as well and not just our concerns in our life. Let me end with this. I told you a while ago that the interpretive device that Jesus used was called the argument of greater to less, isn't it? Greater to less. It was like saying, if I care for the raven, what makes you think that I do not care for you? If I care for the lilies, what makes you think that I do not care for you? Let me put it this way. If I take that argument, I think about this, and I think this is legitimate if I tell this to everyone. If I take that argument of greater to less, come to think of this. If God satisfied your ultimate, most pressing need, at the cross in Calvary, your biggest need, the one that has a bearing in eternity, if God satisfied that by the death of His Son on the cross, greater to less, what makes you think that He doesn't care about your felt needs? If God has satisfied your ultimate need, God can satisfy our current immediate felt needs. Amen. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.